0: everyone to the first episode of the nrl supercoach champions podcast my name is wilfred or more commonly known in supercoach circles as catfish or the washed up has been 2016 overall champion my partner in crime for this podcast is guy otherwise known as bear in the supercoach group we're both part of shout outs to the scum boys bear you're more commonly known to the rest of us as the reigning nrl supercoach champion how's it feel here hearing that title
1: yeah it's um Still feels a bit surreal, actually. Um, just, yeah, can't believe that out of 136,000 people, you'd somehow come out on top.
0: we well, you're going to keep hearing that. Um, they're going to keep calling you that for the rest of the year up until uh, you officially get replaced at the end of this season.
1: Yeah, well, um, still a long way to go between then and now, so I'll uh, take it as I can get it.
0: Yeah, milk it for as long as you can.
1: 100 percent all right so there we're the two of
0: us we're obviously amateurs at this podcast thing but um we've decided that we're going to give this a go um i guess if you look around there's a there's a big lack of uh podcast super podcast featuring former winners or current winners out there can you think of any off the top of your head
1: uh no not really there's um a lot of knowledgeable people out there but Um, I think we can add to what's already out there and uh, make something interesting for all the Supercoach fans out there. Yeah
0: well I guess you know arguably we're the only NRL Supercoach podcast out there where the host can actually say we know what it takes to win the competition uh, since we've actually been there and we've done that. Yeah definitely. I guess hopefully we can try to offer some uh, different insights or strategies or you know, even our thoughts on players or maybe ways we can approach this upcoming season. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, share some of that uh, experience, hopefully, um, in the coming uh, coming weeks, hopefully, if we do more than one podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, hopefully uh, some people can um, take some of the information and use it as they wish. But uh, obviously, you're never going to get 100% of the cause, but hopefully we can help some people out there. Yeah, 100%.
0: And I guess for us, we you know, two of us, we just love talking about footy as well and also talking about Supercoach, so it's a pretty good gig for oh, us anyway.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's good to have the footy just about back on the TV screen, so looking forward to it. Yeah. So look, let's have a
0: look, talk about, um, I guess, the two of us. So, uh, Bear, you're a Melbourne Storm fan, aren't you? Yeah,
1: I love the boys down South, but uh, cop a bit of flack over it from uh, all the scum fellas, but um, it's all good banner,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a Broncos fan and I get cop plenty of flack as well, so I know exactly how you feel,
1: yeah. It's uh, all those New South Wales teams, but ah, well, what do you get? That's what makes footy great. Well, you know,
0: you know, if they, if they hate your team, it's because your team's successful,
1: <laughs> yes. You could say the Storm and the Broncos are pretty, pretty successful overall. Yeah, definitely, but um, uh, hopefully they can back it up again this year, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a real interesting season for
1: you, for, for, well, for both of our teams, really. A lot of changes going on. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, a lot of youth coming through in both sides, so um, some potential supercoach players to keep an eye on from both those teams, so it's going to be good. Definitely, definitely agree. Uh, so, look, let's
0: talk a bit about your background um, in terms of your supercoach. So how long have you been playing super coach
1: for? I've uh, been playing supercoach now for about five years and I've had a, a pretty ordinary start, the first two, but the last three I've had top thousand finishes and obviously first last year. So some strategies that we've been using uh, do work. So hopefully we can help some people out and uh, they go better
0: this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've i've actually probably played a bit longer than that, but in the early, early days, I was a bit of a casual slash head to head player. So I actually did all right, even though I was focusing in head to head. I generally finished in the top one or 2000. And then uh, one year, I decided to tr- give overall a crack. It was uh, around about when I found the NRL Supercoach Talk website. So shout outs to them for a real quality site where you can get a lot of good quality info. But you know, I decided to try overall, and my first year, I think I came like six thousand something, so easily my worst result ever. But I, I learned a lot from that year, and then uh, the, the year after that was twenty sixteen. So obviously, my super coach peak, <laughs>
1: <laughs> refined
0: quick. Yeah, well, the, the 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 year after wasn't too bad. I, I think I came just outside the top of thousand after taking a couple of risks, but. Uh, not not so good last year. Probably got a bit too uh, pod-happy and, and took some big risks towards the end of the season and that just totally didn't pay off. It was the opposite of paying off for me.
1: Yeah, I've always been a bit more of a, a conservative player myself, so the occasional risk, but uh, I like to play with a straight bat.
0: Yeah, look, I think that's gen generally. Um, if you want consistent results, that's the best way to go about it. So, I know for, for me this year, I'm going to look more to yeah, as you say, play with the straight bat, and uh, not not go to pod happy.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right,
0: so let's um, you know, have a have a think about what we're planning to do for this podcast. So obviously, we're going to try try do a weekly podcast. Um, we might have another time for another two or three before the season officially kicks off. Uh, But once it hits the regular season, we're going to do, you know, regular segments like probably firstly, we're going to review the last round. We're going to look at the news and injury updates for the coming week. Uh, And look, we're probably going to hopefully release on, you know, a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning. So uh, by then, we'll be able to talk through team list highlights. We'll look at, you know, things to note for the coming week. And, you know, we'll have a chat about trade options and things like that. And probably, you know, as we go along, um, and as hopefully as we get better at this podcast gig, we'll be able to you know put some more interesting uh, segments in as we go. Sounds great to me. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited for it. So we'll have to see how that goes. But anyway, let's have a let's have a think about last year. Obviously, you know, uh, you won, so pretty big deal there. Yeah, that, that was handy. <laughs> pretty handy. So let's, let's uh, reflect a bit on your season. So uh, tell me, what was your overall strategy? Did you have one when you came into you know round one?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I've uh, started with this strategy nearly every year since uh, I've started playing seriously, and that's to stack my second row as quickly as possible and get the uh, top-scoring guys in there. I just think the consistency that you get from them – uh, helped you with those scores around that 1,000, 1,100 mark where you're not relying on backs to get you over the line. So I generally stack my second row and then um, my rookies come from the centres. My cheapest centre last year, uh, my dearest centre, sorry, last year was um, probably Philip Semi actually so that's the strategy i yeah that's the strategy i go with i try and go as cheap as possible in the um centers and stack my second row and uh have a gun fullback and hooker
0: okay that's um i mean it's surely sure sure it's not a, a strategy that's unique i know a lot of people uh would you know go with the whole stack the pack strategy and, and go cheap and nasty in the center links. Um uh, but yeah. i mean i I believe you actually ha- went, went quite extreme with the the cheap and nasty. Uh, did you have every single player in your team playing from round one?
1: Uh, no, so I uh, took a chance on a few um, players outside of the team's named, uh, thinking that they'd get a run at some stage in the year. So generally I'll... Uh, play maybe two guys that aren't named and uh that can always be for loot purposes or um just around origin you you don't have to waste the trade to bring them in but uh I actually got lucky I had um oh who was that sharks center busted his jaw in the second round just had a oh, metal plate ah, yeah Katoa, that's yeah that's right so he he went down early and then I had another player who um, went down or was suspended off the top of my head. I can't remember, but I was left with um, three centers and I was actually able to loop Turbo for 158 early. So that's handy. It's not, it's not advisable, but uh, sometimes it pays off and you get a bit lucky like that. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't go past two, maybe stretch it to three, but I think that's a bit too dangerous. Two, I think's a good number.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, that's really interesting. Because I mean, my strategy has always been to make sure I've got 25 playing from round one. uh, And, and, you know, with the idea that you're going to make as much money as possible. But clearly, you you know, you took a couple of risks. And, um, you know, as you said, it's a pretty high risk strategy. So all it takes is one injury to a cheapie and also a suspension or, you know, like a one week injury, and you're you're down to only three set of wings for the week. But as, as you said, you got lucky, you, you lucked upon a great vice-captain and you managed to loop. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there's always a little bit of luck like that with Coach.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And, like, I mean, I was also – I think it was at that stage where Philip Semi looked like a bust and I was going to trade him out but had to hold him. And um, that was the game he went off and scored 120 points or whatever he got as well. So – there was a few uh, lucky moments and obviously everyone has those uh, throughout super coach. But um, yeah, I just think with the change to the origin period, the buy period last year, uh, getting as much cash as possible wasn't as necessary because you dropped down on that third on the middle buy. So everyone was off. You didn't have to cover the three buy periods. So I actually found that I still made a lot of money and um, at, at, it was hard at the end because I was struggling to pick which of the guns to play. And there was two or three weeks there. I was actually talking to you before it about who to play and I made the wrong decision. So yeah. So sometimes it's getting enough, too many guns doesn't really help at all. So yeah, I think it's worth the risk maybe playing one or two NPRs.
0: Yeah. look, That's certainly something I'm going to think about as well. Cause you know, as you, as you pointed out, not having, Three big buy rounds um, does make a huge difference because I know when in the year I won, uh, I definitely you know was really big on making as much money as possible so that you know and, and I did like I was really lucky with all my cows. Uh, I hit upon all the right ones or I swapped you know um, the duds for the for the quality earners and by the time I hit I think the first big buy round my my team value was. You know, quite up there, like looking at all the teams around me at the time, I had like, you know, at least, you know, five, six hundred thousand more than what the other teams had. So yeah. that meant, you know, that's basically an extra gun that you could be fielding over the buy period. Yeah, so that, 100- that was huge for me back then.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I just think the um, how the buys are set out now is maybe shifted it just a little
0: yeah, I think you, that's a really valid point because you know the money's not as important, that, but the extra trade or two that you might have, uh, you know, from from not having to swap in a in, you know one of these cheapies that, as you say, end up debuting later in the season, and, and making you money straight away, that kind of um, you know helps with the late season trades as well. So yeah, all right, that's really interesting. Um, so looking at um, I guess what would you say your biggest risk? That you took uh, in uh,
1: your season was, I I honestly I didn't take really a lot of big risks. I um pretty much played with a straight bat. Um, I got in Fergo, but he'd already been playing pretty well for a while, so I waited till his price dropped, knowing he'd pick back up. The uh I sold Witter at his highest peak. Some you could say that was a risk as he was on fire, but. He would just made too much money, so he was going to drop. So it wasn't really that risky of a move, but um maybe the biggest one was, uh, I got rid of um Nathan Brown early. He um straight after his injury, and it was tweeted out I think by the NRL physio that it was a two week injury, and the the club advised that it was only going to be two weeks, but um. I'd watch that game, and um, I could see it. he was busted. Like he couldn't even stand on his ankle when it was still warm. So I had a feeling that that wasn't going to be two weeks at all. So I, I sold him the week of his injury and brought in um, uh, what's his mate's name, Penny Terapo. Yes, absolute plotter, but um, he actually—I think he crossed for a try, scored an eighty or a sixty, and. So I got lucky where a lot of people held on and, um, yeah, yeah I, they they held him for a bit too long, whereas I got off. So I didn't really take um, a lot of risk. It was all – it was, yeah, pretty straight. I didn't go chasing um, too many players. Maybe the worst thing I did was try to get um, Alex Johnson and um, he then he went on his cold streak. So he's uh, made my never again list.
0: <laughs> yeah well look I, I was definitely one of those uh guys who held on to nathan brown so yeah that's obviously where you know i trusted the club's information and and obviously nrl physio um his updates shout out to him it's just a, the best account you can follow on twitter
1: oh does uh, a great job doesn't
0: he it's so good and then well done for him to to get picked up by the telegraph um it's it's well deserved for sure but yeah look i, I totally agree um that's obviously a situation where you've trusted your own instincts and and your oh. own knowledge and your own gut. I guess you could say, yeah, definitely, it. just a gut core. Yeah, see, that's that's huge. I'm like, it's really, um, you know, things like that are really important uh, with Super Coach because at the end of the day, you can you can go off all the info and all the stats that you find, but sometimes you just gotta, go, you know, trust what you see with your eyes. Yeah, definitely. So, when in your season did you start thinking, I'm actually you know I've
1: actually got a shot at winning this um, so it was probably with about six weeks to go right. um, I think I think I'd um, I'd made it into the top ten I think around round five or six or something like that and uh I fell out once on my wedding weekend but I was able to get back in and then I'd just seen a list of people just keep coming in and dropping out and uh, I was consistently there for a while. And then five weeks out, I think I was still first then. And that's when I thought, oh, I might have a chance here. And then I think I dropped back to second or third. But, um, yeah, the up to the last week, I was like, oh, no, I'm done here. I thought the um, bloke who was leading had a fairly good crack at it. And then, yeah, it was I had a bit of luck for my way there too. And rest is history, as they say
0: yeah that's um so that's really quite late in the season even though you were as you say in the top ten or thereabouts for pretty much the whole you know after the first month
1: yeah it was, yeah it was just I think the fact that I just saw um, so many uh, good players that a few of my friends knew um, were pretty good and I just kept I saw them coming and maybe one or two bad decisions and you drop out so. I just wasn't wasn't totally sure, and I mean, I only won by what six points or something. So it's the closest season at the top ever. So yeah, absolutely. It, oh yeah, definitely. So there was never a time you could have felt comfortable, or but I was always like close enough, obviously, to think I was a shot. But yeah, I didn't really think about it till yeah that last five weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely would have been a, a, a real roller coaster ride for you, especially if you're going, you know, basically shuffling back and forth over the top couple of spots uh, throughout those last few weeks. So, uh, I, I guess for, for me, it was a really different experience. So, uh, I, I yeah, guess I guess like <laughs> I mean, look, I, I just had a brief look. I mean, I, I think I fell into the top 20 in, in around round six, and then I was um, in the top 10, top Actually, I was, I was second in round seven, and then uh, I didn't drop below six for the rest of the season. So it's a bit of a yeah, as you said, uh, I think even though I'd been, you know, in round 12, so the first big buy round, I, I hit, hit first again and I literally stayed there for the rest of the season. But even for me, like I didn't think I was actually a chance of winning until after I came out of the last big buy and was still first. Yeah. So even though I'd been riding, you know, first for about you know, almost, almost two months, I, I kind of thought, yeah, you know, I'm going to fall away eventually here. And then, yeah, I uh, came out of the last big buy and I'm, I'm still going to, you know, still in first, still with a couple hundred point lead. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I could actually win.
1: Yeah. Oh, well I, um, I oh, I wish I had that experience. I was pulling my hair out all year. <laughs> it's, it's a stressful time, right? Being up at, up at the pointy end. <laughs> A hundred percent. Like I never. When you're not involved and you can just kick back and have a laugh with your mates, it's great. But yeah, when that top ten, I'm sure I'm not the only one feeling that way. Like all those guys up there, um, like you think about it, it's nearly. A, you get one shot at it, really, with the amount of people that play. Like it's all downhill, I think, after you win it. Well,
0: you know, no one's ever gone back-to-back, so that's no. fair. So, um, you know, you, you're going to give it a shot this year, aren't
1: you? Yeah, come at me. Come at me. <laughs> that's,
0: that's the confidence I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess to wrap up um, last year's season, what's the biggest takeaway from your winning season that you feel that you're going to apply again this year?
1: Oh, it's it's got to be that get those second rowers in. Like, on... I, know, I think Gerbo finished second overall, so he's up there. But it's just that consistency. Light. And ask anyone who's been that. Cons- There's been a few guys that um, we know, I think, uh, Switch. Um, he's always been really good. He's always um, gone after those second rowers too when I spoke to him. Um, yep. I just don't think you can go away from just how consistent they score. Um,
0: yeah, and that's not, really good advice.
1: Yeah, and don't chase the um. Don't cha- chase a big score if you see someone who's vice captained or captain, um, a high scoring back for their first game. Don't go chasing it with like a scrub of a Sunday night game where you're just banking on a miracle from some center or winger. Just um back yourself and um yeah that's all all you can really do i think back your gut feeling and go for it
0: yeah i guess you know for you given i think you you captain turbo for his 190 plus score plus you nailed widdop um when he hit that absolute monster was it 170 something
1: yeah, and so, I, I yeah. actually backed him off the bat. I didn't loop him that game either, so I'll take credit for that one. Yeah, um, for sure. Back you yeah, <laughs> I think oh, I got lucky, but I'm taking credit for that one. Um, I think I just think um those those captaincy calls like that they, they can ruin their two. I I I copped a few Cam Smith sixties or whatever, and missed out on um cook, Cooks a few Cooks 100s, but. I averaged uh, 92 as a captain, which I think is pretty good. Um, That's incredible. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think it saved me at the end. But um, yeah, you just, that, that, I think that's a lot, a a lot of information now. Everyone has the same idea. You have a few um, separate pods and that. But I think the getting the captains right really separates it at the end as well.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I know, like, you know, obviously people like jumping from captain to captain. They're chasing the 100-plus scores. And, you know, in the year I won, I captained, you know, I switched captains as well. well. But my my captain's average was only about 78 across the season. So, you know, nothing close to your 92 or whatever it was. So, you know, when when I'm averaging 78 with my captain, there's something to
1: say for maybe just leaving it on one player all season, you know? Yeah, well, it's definitely something to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you lessen a cook last year, you could have, you know, had a 77 average. Easily. Average, that,
1: yeah, that's right. Like, And, I mean, a, a 92 is good, but, I mean, I, I captained um, some big 100-plus scorers in Teddy with it. Um, turbo. Turbo. Several times. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I also um, captain some absolute junk as well, and I think that's from switching around. So, yeah, that you could argue that. I mean, you've got to look at matchups as well, but yeah, yeah it's it's definitely an argument to just pick and stick. I think. And sometimes you just just get unlucky, right?
0: I uh, captained oh. Pong one week um, when he was playing the Titans, and he got hurt and he, he scored five or something like that, yeah. and, and yeah. that hurt.
1: <laughs> oh. That I know was, I wasn't the only one. <laughs> oh, yeah, some people were blowing up. It's something you can't, like, a five as a captain one week, it's nearly something you can't really recover from. It's nearly curtains.
0: Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, I know <laughs> in, in the year I won, I also captained um, Surges when he scored, like, 20 after he got hurt, something oh, like yeah. that. But, you know, I was lucky because pretty much everyone up the top did the same thing. We all went <laughs> after Surges as captain for that week. So we yeah. all, um, we, we got hit with the same, the same injury. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like obviously if it's a big captainship percentage, it's not as much as an, of an issue, but then, I mean, if you're chasing a pod 5% captain or something, that's when you're going to be in trouble. So again, like maybe it's not just picking and sticking with one captain, but maybe chasing those high percentage captains where you're not taking a big risk if a, straight HIA or something comes your way. Yeah, it's
0: really good advice. So, you know, if, if it fails, you, you stay off the pack. If they fly, you stay off the pack. Either way, you, you know, it's a safe option while hopefully the, the pods in your team can outperform, you know, the, the more common players and, and you can move up to standings in that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's exactly like playing footy. Like, footy these days is all kick to the corners, tackle and wait for the opposition to make a mistake and you can approach Supercoach the same way, I think.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. I know with, um, you know, at the end of the day, when I look back at my season, um, I generally, you know, when I tried to be too cute was when I screwed up and lost rankings or, or you know, my lead dwindled or, or, or whatever. But when I just played a straight bat, I let the people chasing me make the mistakes. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the last couple of rounds, some people, you know, they, they tried to sit out. You know, absolute guns like Marin and Cardi. You know, they were both 70-plus average players. Um, to, to play pods like Bevan French and and you know guys like that who just you know it's like a hail mary shot. Uh, but you know, then then Cardi scored like 100 anyway. So things like that. Uh, I think yeah, really good advice. You just let the other people screw up and, yeah, and I mean, you can move up that way.
1: Yeah, they they you're going to hit on like heaven french or that mitch moses that one breakout score you hit on that good luck but like the pokies you 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 chase something that often it's it's not going to pay off for you
0: that's fair fair, fair, fair call there <laughs> all right so let, look, look, let's um, look at 2019 obviously know we're um we'll we'll definitely talk more about that in coming podcasts but Let's let's just do a quick snapshot. Firstly, two, two or three guns that 100% are going to be in your own team for round one.
1: Well, this is going to knock a few people over that I don't have any of my left field pods in here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm thinking the three that I'm going to have. Um, I'll I'll leave it with my back rowers, and I'm going to have Gerbo. Um, Crichton and Jai Arrow.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Real real good solid
1: yeah. picks there. Yeah, I mean, it, you'll always see the top scoring players change around, but um, Jake's been second two years in a row. That's a big effort. Um, Angus Crichton is... He had a down year attacking-wise, but an edge-back rower who works as hard as him going to the number one attacking team when he's already shown that he can um, break the line and has a nose for the try line. Uh, uh, And people are saying it's a new team, but he's playing alongside a top five ever halfback. They're going to get it clicking straight away. And Jai Arrow, I think he scored like 70 or 80 in base in 60 minutes. One's like, that's just crazy. I can't see how he can leave any of them out his side.
0: Yeah, look, really, really valid points. Um, For me, I've also got Angus and Jai. I actually don't have Jake in my team right now. That's more of maybe a long-term strategy thinking. He's either, you know, maybe starts a bit slower or he might not, um, you know, hit the heights from last year with the new coach. Um, I guess there's a few things which make me a little bit uneasy about Manly, uh, the Seagulls, for the start of this year. So I'm actually okay with kind of, like, staying off him for the start. But... My third player, I guess, that I definitely will be starting with this year is Nathan Cleary.
1: I just yeah. think he's going
0: to be the number one halfback, and he's you know he's very reasonably priced. I think I'm, I'm just going to lock him in for this season.
1: Yeah, he's he's in my team at the minute as well. I cool. just think, yeah, i just going back to strategy for um, the game too. I seem to fall on the side of the fence that you get the expensive players in where you can, just because it's easier to trade down than trade up. I've I've currently got um, Teddy and um, Turbo at fullback, and if Drinkwater plays, I'll just keep an eye on him, but I can run for two rounds, um, see which one of Turbo or Teddy will drop the most, and if Drinkwater looks like he's going to be a gun, you can trade down to him and have a heap of extra cash to upgrade to another a mid who's doing well, who's going to go up. I just think those um, – I don't mind burning four trades in that early part of the season to get your team set. And the easiest way I've found to do that is to start expensive and um, trade back.
0: Yeah, real good point. I mean, that's a – it's not a strategy I'd run um, because, yeah, I, I agree with um, burning four trades in the first two rounds for sure. Um, as, as you say, getting your team set for round three before the price changes kick in. But I always feel like I've got you know more pressing issues to deal with rather than sorting out you know trading down a turbo to someone else or so, something like that. So uh, I guess, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a real bold call if Drinkwater's named and you're not starting him. It'd be uh, really interesting. Because, I mean, if, if he gets injured in a second game or something like that, you're, you're already ahead. You're yeah. ahead of, you know, the, pretty much. Everyone who started drink water, and that's going yeah.
1: to be a huge percentage. So, yeah, yeah see exactly. where you're coming from. And I mean, like, I I just think um, it's it's if you're going to put two or three mids or whatever in your team, I just think watching them for two rounds is um, is better to get an idea of how they're going to go rather than trying to hit on them right from the start. I just find that suits me better and I'm if I cop an injury and have to to go somewhere else then then you just have to weigh up whether it's better missing a mid or trying to trying to go without a player in that position for a while but um yeah that's just how I play the game
0: yeah I think you know very valid strategies and it's again it just highlights how many different ways you can play this game it's Um, obviously you know more than one strategy can work. It's just a matter of finding what you're comfortable with and, and what you're more likely to, to follow as, uh, as far as your gut calls will go. So,
1: we, we've, we've played different in both ones, so there's not really a certain course you have to follow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so maybe the last thing we'll look at today is just, uh, one or two players that you are 100% not going to have in your team for round one.
1: Oh, yep. Bryce Cartwright is going nowhere in my team. <laughs> saying, hear about hey, it, hey, He's going to start on the left edge. Oh, you hear
0: that? I Don't, don't
1: <laughs> want I mean, I spent the majority of last preseason saying Carty's done. He's he's got a P heart. He's it, oh, he's lost it mentally. He's whatever. And then he, all of a sudden, I've just seen the um, percentage ship owned and. It swayed me, and I've got on a biggest mistake I ever made in my life. So he's not going to start at the Titans. Like, I'm not going to – and when he oh, – don't get me started.
0: <laughs> Garth Brennan, you never know what he's going to do. Oh, I mean, the guy no. who, who apparently wants to play Michael Gordon ahead of AJ Brimson at fullback.
1: <laughs> I mean, but I don't know. If you, if you want a few minus ones from those tackles, uh, that's terrible. Anyway, so Cardi's not there. And another player who I'm avoiding is probably going to be Reese Martin. And I'd I discuss this with you away from the pod. Um, we're pretty sure he might not be in Dean Pay's plans. Um, he didn't met, really mention him after that Canberra trial, like you were saying. So uh, I think I'd rather take a punt on um, Kick-Out. Yeah, so they're two I'm staying away from, even though he'll get talked up. Uh, Reese Martin and Bryce Cartwright yeah. in my side. Yeah,
0: real good options. I mean, for me, I, I yeah, I'm also, you know, I was really keen on Martin. I, I was going to pick him, but then all the reports came out of him, you know, bad attitude. Not um, in Dean Pate's good books, and like, as you said, most recently, I think he, Dean Pay did an interview, and um, when quizzed about his background options, he didn't even mention Martin's name, he talked about Josh Jackson, he talked about, um, you know, Faitala Fe- Mariner, and talked about uh, Corey, as in Nara CHN, yeah. let's not say that name again, CHN. <laughs> um, so, you know, he didn't even mention Reese Martin's name when talking about his back row options, and that's not a good sign at all. So, yeah, even if he's somehow in the team or even if he starts, I, I think you can't even trust that he's going to play Eddie. So I no. feel like I'm just going to give him the skip for and round er- one.
1: Yeah, and, and Holland's a good kicker too, so it's not like they need him to play to kick, but that back row is pretty stacked. It's actually a pretty impressive back row when you look, go through the list of names. So... I don't know, even even if he does start, is he going to hold his spot? Um Dean Pay was pretty well known for coaching the um New South Wales juniors and he didn't always pick the best um players. He looked for those uh team first guys who had a um big attitude especially in defence. So yeah, if Martin's attitude's not there he could be sitting on the pine or playing in ISP to start the season.
0: So what you're telling me is that, really, Dean Pay and Garth Brennan should coach together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably that. Although, Pay, I think, had a pretty good record in those New South uh, Wales junior teams.
0: Yeah, it's been a bit of a lean run for Queensland on the 20s for a while. So, no, I see what you're saying there. Um, I think the other player I'm going to stay away from, and slightly controversial, I'm, I'm definitely not picking Jason Tamarolo. He's not going to be in my team for, for round one, for sure. Even though, you know, he could end up being top five second row option, uh, no doubt, Just he's such a good player. But for super coach I'm staying Way, um, obviously, you know, there's all that talk about the the Cowboys opening draw, staying in Queensland a lot, the heat, Josh McGuire's there now. Uh, and, you know, just not knowing how that's going to play out. Plus... I mean Tamalolo, over the past couple of years he's got a, a bit of a trend of actually averaging less in his first ten rounds compared to the rest of his season. So I'm um, pretty comfortable giving him a, a bit of a skip for round one, even though I'm uh, pretty sure I'm gonna end up getting him in prior to the first bye.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely the first bye. By then it'll cool down. Um, yeah, that's that's a good call. He won't be in my side either, I don't think.
0: Alright, so um, look, that's probably enough rambling from us for today. Uh, hopefully you guys liked it. Let us know, like I said, if you can uh, drop a comment or give us some, some, some feedback. Uh, hopefully we'll be back next week and, and we'll have some uh, more insights. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, what, 2019 and our thoughts on how we can approach uh, this season. Uh, maybe we'll we'll have a chat about where we think some of the areas we should target in terms of you know, particular teams or players or, or situations um, and, and have a think through that. So, actually, I think both of us are on Twitter, aren't we? You can always tweet us if uh, you want to. So, my, I'm at SC, uh, as in the Supercoach. Um, and what's your handle?
1: Uh, at GFeeny10.
0: Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. There's an official Twitter account for our podcast. It's, so, the handle is at NRLSC underscore champions. So, yeah, feel free to add us if you want to give us any feedback. Tell us our our laugh sounds funny or anything like
1: that. See if you um got anything for us you want to discuss, anything like that. Yeah, and
0: hopefully, yeah, like you said, we're going to try and get this out weekly. So, yeah, thanks for listening and, and hopefully catch you guys next time. Have a good one.